0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
1: The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The campaign moment podcast from the Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening.
2: At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: Let's go! This is the Lombardi Live with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. Yeah.
4: Okay, it is the Lombardi line as we welcome you back. Michael Lombardi, there he is. My man he was going to get some of that popcorn as we welcome you back and I say wish hi I, I <laughs> wish I, I
5: were. <laughs> I wish I were.
4: I know you do. I think I think the big miss is as we who we say hi in the second hour here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. Again, it's a great game on Amazon Prime tonight. Uh Chiefs lane for the total 54. I think the big themes here, I think the Keenan Allen miss. Is pretty big. Uh, no J C Jackson. My that's my assumption for the Chargers. That's another big miss. Mm-hmm. I guess the question as far as the Chiefs, and then we'll get into, of course, the Bucks and the Saints. I think my question for the Chiefs is that right guard and Trey Smith is he going to play? And I think Harrison Butker right. not kicking could that's that's that plays big into this matchup tonight.
5: No, I mean, Trey Smith, you know, he's questionable with an ankle. You know, I doubt if he'll suit up, so that's a concern. The right side of this chief offensive line isn't, I would say, it's the weakest area of their team. Orlando Brown's dealing, now he's probable for the game, but he's been dealing with injuries all summer long. So, you know, there's a concern there, especially when you're playing against Joey Bosa and you're Andrew Wiley trying to block him and, if Trey Smith doesn't go, do they put Canard in there, the kid they drafted in the fifth round, or do they go with Allegretti, who they played last year? So that'll be interesting to see how that all works out. But to me, I mean, Will Hill thought, you know, look, the Chargers are talented defensively, but they gave up eight yards per attempt last week against the Raiders, and I don't think Carr was was great. I, I liked when I watch the games, I always look for whether, like, Carr held the ball too long, A, B, there were unforced errors in what he threw. The interception, you know, the miss to Waller early in the game. The interception to, I think it was Derwin James, where they he didn't he just didn't he didn't put enough air under the ball. Like it wasn't that he had somebody in his face throwing it. It is to me. It was an unforced error, like in tennis. I expect the Chiefs to move the ball tonight. I really do, especially with the motions and the shifts and all the problems that they can create.
4: Yeah, it was an uncharacteristically bad performance by Carr. It was almost odd the way that he played. I, I was surprised yeah. by it. Um, he he was off into, kilter. He was. He, he was off he kilter off the whole entire game. I to, I totally agree yeah. with you. Before, and, and before that might have into, been
5: the pressure too. He he might have felt that you know he might have felt that he made felt not, but for the most part, I thought he had time. He he held the ball to get sacked, not because he was getting like to me. Trevor Lawrence got the crap beat out of him and still made throws. It's a difference. Bucks,
4: Buck saints here in just a bit, just to open up the second hour, some news and notes quickly. Let's not delve into the decision. I'm just curious within your circles and the text messages you did receive. What was the take from those on the inside on what Nathaniel Hackett did? Because I mean, it's about one of the wildest decisions we've ever, I mean, it was insane. What was the take within the circle there?
5: Unbelievable. I mean, you know, shocking, like really that you think a 64 yarders range, like, uh, you know, maybe he needs somebody help on game day. I mean, one of the things that we talked right. about before the game was the fact that they had uh, a new offensive coordinator, a new defense coordinator, and a new head coach. Now we know Nathaniel's calling the plays, but he seemed overwhelmed to me, Patrick. I, I you know, we haven't talked since the game, but the look on his face seemed it was a lot. Yeah. It was moving way too fast. And and in fairness, I, you know, he was the only rookie coach not to win, and he was one of the few rookie coaches that were in a lot of close games. So. I, I, I'm sure it's going to get better. You hope for, as your Denver fan, you hope it's going to get better. It's a little bit like, you know, when the plane crashed into Garp's house in the world according to Garp, you know, and, and Garp says, well, that will never happen again. You just hope this will never happen again,
4: right? Well, it's like a friend texted me, as a head coach, you're not going to find the answer on that offensive call sheet, right? And he kept on looking at his call sheet. It's like, dude, you're no longer an offensive coordinator. That's why the evaluation's but, so weird as far as hiring head coaches. Like, you have to be a head coach now.
5: You know, but that—that's the, the league doesn't even want you to be a head coach. I mean, the other day we haven't talked about this, but there was a tweet out that you know Howie Roseman's involved in the game planning for the defense with okay. the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I mean, like they and and and, I, and that doesn't surprise me because as I've said many times on this program, the Eagles believe the organization carries the head coach, not the head coach carries the organization. I don't. I think the head coach has to carry you, and I has to be a true head coach. But we don't make true head coaches anymore.
4: Well, it's just the carryover from Major League Baseball, where the manager is being puppeteered by the front office. You're seeing more and more of that analy- analytics seep in, and the front office controlling the flow of the game, which I would imagine would not suit you well. Last one as far news, as far as news and notes. It looks like maybe the Steelers dodged a bullet with JJ Watt IR, miss at least four games here.
5: Well, I mean, T, you know, TJ, I, I don't know how that they misinterpret the peck. Like, if you tear a peck, maybe they feel like, but oftentimes with this, when they go the conservative way and it doesn't heal, then they have to go back and fix it, and then he's out for the right. year. So probably smart to see if it'll heal by itself or at least it'll take together. I, I don't know. It's going to be challenging. Look, the, the Steelers did a great job of rushing. I mean, Highsmith was good in the game, too. Like, that Bengal offensive line, for all the money they put into it, and Williams, the left tackle of the Bengals, he really struggled. You know, it, I, I watched that tape, and when I was done with it, I'm like, look, it, even though Dallas doesn't have Dak, like, Dallas's front is going to give Cincinnati some trouble. They're going to give them a lot of trouble. Because Cincinnati, for all the money, that they weren't better in the offensive line than they were last year. Or you couldn't tell it.
4: Tampa Bay opened three in New Orleans. That number has been hit down off that key number down to two and a half for good reason. Listen, the Saints somehow have won seven straight regular season games against the Bucs. Uh, also, the Buccaneers are one in seven ATS their last eight meetings. Here's I'm going to read this because Bond has it in the rundown, but this doesn't come for me. Giselle breaks silence about Brady's return to football, saying she wants the quarterback to, ha- to be more present in his family life. That whole side charade is starting. It's so awkward. Like, Like, she vouched her support for him prior to the game last Sunday, and now it continues to be a theme. Do you think this is purposeful from the family's perspective to constantly have this be a story? Well, I just think
5: sometimes we make it a story. I mean, that's part of what we all do. I mean, outside of our network, I mean, we make it. We don't go away. Do you ever think Tebow was a real story? I mean, you know, he got made into a story, but he never really was a story. He got made into one. You know, we create our own novels, Out there, I mean, look, I think Tom went back. I'm sure she's like a lot of relationships. She probably wants him to be around the children more. I'm sure of that. And I felt like had he, I really think to me, had he not played to the level that he played, then I'm sure it would have been a lot easier to walk away. But God, Patrick, he played really well and he played well on Sunday. He does not look like he's aging at all. It's remarkable.
4: Yeah, I think the one thing you would say is the red zone efficiency wasn't there. But like you said, it, as far as aging, I feel like his arm is as strong as we've ever seen it. I mean, it's just, he's just—he's a it's he's remarkable, a freak of nature. right? He really is. Yeah, a freak of nature. I mean, I,
5: it really—I I don't see how he can—I don't see how it continues, but it, it has been continuing. So, I—I I, I think ultimately, look, this is a hard game for them because even though when they played down in. Tampa it was a, they shut him out. But Dennis Allen has got a you know, I mean, Brady I'm sure studied this and I don't think you can take the Saints defensive effort against Atlanta and transpose it into the Bucks are just gonna move it because that that game caught Dennis Allen's I think that caught him a little off guard what Arthur Smith did in that game plus Patterson was sensational I mean Cordell Patterson you know wearing 84 makes you weird they Arthur Smith did a great job of getting him the football putting him in space you know really creating some mismatch problems for him so I I I think to me you got almost this that was one game I don't think it's going to change but I do know that you know that Dennis Allen has a way of Of kind of messing up with Brady and getting inside the paint, and if the if the Donovan Smith doesn't play left tackle, I think that's got to worry you.
4: Gage Godwin, Julio Jones have not practiced this week. Limited Evans and Perryman, so five wide receivers banged up for the Bucks. The good news, I guess, coming out of it, Leonard Fournette, twenty one carries, one twenty seven in Week One. He looked good. He looked good. Did look good. You
5: know, he really did. I mean, it didn't look like he had any hamstring issues at all. You know, he's still on the injury report as a hamstring. I mean, K- Gage is managing a hamstring as well. The key the key injury is Donovan Smith. I mean, you know, he's got the hyperextended elbow. He's got to make sure that that comes back. If that's if he's not healthy there. Look, I think Julio Jones is going to be on the injury list all year long. They're going to rest him and just save him. I don't know how many miles are left on Julio's legs. So they're going to just save and rest him. You know, but I, I think ultimately when you look at this game, uh, you know, I, I mean, look, the, the Saints – Camaro didn't play great last week, and the Saints were still able to win. One of the reasons they didn't cover is they couldn't get Kamara going. They're going to need to get Camaro going in this game.
4: Can you point to a reason Allen has had success? I mean, Brady's own four straight-up ATS as far as with the Bucks against the Saints in the regular season. Can you point to Allen's defense in particular having success against Brady? It's multiple. His multiplicity, his disguise,
5: his ability to change, plus the pressure. For some reason, the Bucks do not a great job of protecting Brady. Not that he gets sacked all the time, but they don't do a great job of protecting him against – get, they get into the paint on him, and it makes him uncomfortable. And so he gets rid of the ball sooner than he wants to. And that's the key. Look, the stop in Brady is multiple, multiplicity within the coverage, changing it up. Don't let him be predictable. Self-scout really well, and then get into the paint. Get in front of him. Make him feel you around there.
4: I think this is uh, could it set, setting up to be defensive. You mentioned the wide receivers. I, di- I mentioned the wide receivers being banged up. Remember, Brady's been shut out three times in his career. Week 15, remember that last year? Nine to nothing, a Saints win. The total yeah. sitting 44, 44 and a half. I do like the under here.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, I, I, I think that, The Saints' offense, the way it looked for three quarters against Atlanta, was struggling. I thought Winston did a good job of protecting it, but they got going in that fourth quarter, and you could see Landry come to life, Michael Thomas came to life, I mean, they got of got going. Now, left tackle is a problem for New Orleans. James Hurst is playing in there, you know, because of Penning's been out with the injury, so he won't play. But that that's a concern. Their offensive line, especially at left tackle, that's not something you want to get into against the Bucks because they can rush from all over. But the one thing the, 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 the Saints were able to do is they can match up physically, but they got to protect that left tackle. That's going to be something that has to happen.
4: OK, the Bucks have struggled regular season wise against the Saints right now. Again, off the opener of three, Tampa Bay's lane two and a half, the same number they were laying in Dallas and the total 46 and a half bet down to 44 coming up next here on the Lombardi line week three college football. We transition. Adam Burke joins us. It's b Sin, the sports betting network.
3: SHOOT <laughs> You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VCN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
4: Okay, it's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, in-game betting, boosted-out specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip. Bring your status sheet ID. You're ready to go anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your style, you're going to love it over at BetMGM. Got to be 21 years or older if you have a gambling problem. It's one 800 522 46. 700 okay I mentioned earlier Michael Lombardi and Femi are doing the GM shuffle twice a week for football season and it comes out Monday it comes out Thursday you go to vison.com slash podcast for that when you're there you can check out our next guest Adam Burke with the brand new college football podcast which is receiving rave reviews in the industry go to vison.com slash podcast as we welcome in Adam Burke First off, I know you're playing injured with a hurt back, so thank you for joining us. Uh let's start here, then we'll get to your picks. Your takeaways from Alabama. Hold on twenty to nineteen in Athens. What stood out to me, Adam, immediately was just a lack of explosiveness on the outside, but you break it down for me. What'd you see from Alabama?
6: Yeah, I think it's an excellent starting point, Patrick, to take a look at the lack of explosiveness for this team. And and look, I mean, you know, we just assume that Alabama is going to reload as opposed to rebuild and and ultimately they're going to, but You know, in terms of what happened in that game, Jameer Gibbs was far and away their leading receiver. And that's something that can't happen when you've got a quarterback like Bryce Young. So Alabama's got some issues on the outside. They'll have to develop some playmakers as the season goes along. And that was the question I kind of posed to Tim Murray because I was at a wedding this past weekend. So I wasn't really able to watch too much. And I said, hey, you know, was, was this game more about maybe Texas taking a step up or maybe Alabama not being as good? And We kind of decided it was a little bit of both, but the fact that Alabama just was not explosive, had some offensive line issues too, uh, really glaring red flags for the Crimson Tide coming out of that game.
5: Well, Adam, great to have you with you. I love your pod. I listen to it. I learn a lot from you. And I want to know about when you look at USC, are you surprised that I thought it would be a tougher game against Stanford last week, but their defense is way better than I thought it would be. Does that take you by surprise?
6: Yeah, you know, look, I, I think that there was so much hype for USC coming into the season. I, I was I had power rated them a little bit lower. I, I was kind of expecting some growing pains, particularly in the defensive side. I figured offensively they'd be fine. But Stanford's a very vanilla, very boring offense. Let's see how they look here you know, in the coming games where they're going to face some teams that maybe have a little bit more explosiveness, can maybe do a little bit more in the passing game, a team like Fresno State, for example. I mean, there's a reason why this total is up in the mid 70s here against the bulldogs this will be kind of more of a litmus test for usc i don't think rice shows you anything and stanford's just not an explosive offense so let's see how the defense looks this week in a game where i mean that total shot up and and i still think i would take the over before i would take the under
4: Become a visa pro you get point spread weekly. Of course, you get all the pro tools and nobody gives you more information than Adam Burke. He's joining us here on the Lombardi line. Okay. Let's talk Mississippi state, uh, a win and a cover mm-hmm. at Arizona in a weird spot. They come back, they take on LSU. I'll tell you this. Will Rogers was great against Arizona. Could have been better. Cause I'm watching that game. There were a lot of drops there. That kid is playing out of his mind and Mississippi state heads to LSU, Adam, and they are laying two and a half on the
6: road. Yeah. So I like Mississippi state in this game. Then, you know, I think that I don't know if this one's going to get to three, but I definitely like it at two, two and a half. If it gets to three, it'd make me think a little bit more, but to your point, Patrick, Will Rogers is just a great fit for this offense. I mean, he's really developed into a fine quarterback here for Mike Leach. And I think this defense is a little bit better than people give it credit for simply because, I mean, you know, sometimes they're on the field very quickly with the pass heavy attack or, you know, sometimes Mississippi state scores kind of quickly, So I guess defense is a little bit better than people realize. But I think their two wins over Memphis and Arizona are two quality wins. I think Arizona will be a much improved team this year. And Memphis is a solid AAC team where Mississippi State just blew them out from basically start to finish. For LSU, a lot of moving parts. You know, they've got Brian Kelly in there now. They had a lot of questions at the quarterback position throughout fall camp. And they were dominated pretty much for the first three quarters by Florida State. And the ending kind of obscured that, I think, where LSU just wasn't ready to play in that game. I think Mississippi State will be. I like the Bulldogs here laying the two, two and a half in Death Valley.
5: You know, I watched the tape of the Mississippi State-Arizona game, and even though the score seemed like it was close and there was a moment where Arizona could have got back in it, I never felt like Mississippi State ever had lost control of that game. I think if Mississippi State wanted to run the ball every play, they could have gained eight yards and run the ball. I thought they're really good. I think they're physical. I think what what I saw in that tape was a Southeast Conference playing a Pac-12 team. They just couldn't match them physically. So Kansas has averaged 55 points a game. I look at the board. They're only an eight-and-a-half-point dog to Houston. Am I reading that right?
6: Yeah, you know, this is interesting because I had Houston as one of my higher-rated group of five teams coming into the season. Had some value on their season win total over. Did take it. Obviously, pretty concerned about that right now. I mean look Kansas is such a well coached team. Lance Leipold is just doing such a great job there in Lawrence. Did a phenomenal job at Buffalo too. And of course in his division 3 days, this is just a well coached football team and I think for Houston, you know maybe we kind of me especially kind of overvalued, you know, Clayton Toon and Dana Holgerson and all the guys they had coming back, all the returning production all the things that were going in their favor to where they've played a couple of really, really tight games here, back-to-back overtime games. That's not an easy thing for a team early on in the season. That being said, I think there's a reason why this number is still over a touchdown. I think it's because Houston is absolutely the better team. West Virginia was in a bad spot last week coming off the backyard brawl. So I don't have a play on this game, but I do think that maybe there's a slight bit of value on Houston. That being said, I think this line probably comes down. So if you like the Cougars, I'd wait on them. If you like Kansas, I'd probably take it here at the nine. Adam Patrick, Park, before LeVore you line. start, yeah,
5: please. Before please. you start, have you ever heard in our time doing shows together the line is moving towards Kansas? I love it, Adam. No. I love it. It, it. No, no. Give, give Leopold but, some credit. I mean, the guy's a good coach.
4: There, it's Kansas. You, you, you just you just nailed it for a program like that. The wonders. I mean. I'm thinking Charlie Weiss and others, the wonder of, the wonders of getting a professional head coach in there that may not be like a big time name, but a hell of a coach yeah. that has done a lot for them. Speaking of which, Lashley, LSU, a nice little start for the program as they're 2 0. They had to College Park to take on a 2 and 0 team. Talia <laughs> and uh, Tonga Valoa, of course, Maryland, they are laying two and a half. Okay, this is a very interesting matchup. Where are you at here, Adam?
6: Very interesting matchup. Uh, A lot of points certainly expected in this game, to say the least. Another one of those totals up in the mid-70s. Somebody with a lot of market influence came in on SMU yesterday and pushed this number down from 3.5 to 2.5. I have this game power rated at 6, so I like Maryland here in this game. There's also a really intriguing situational spot for this one where SMU plays TCU next week in the Iron Skillet game. TCU's new head coach (laughs) is Sonny Dykes. SMU's head coach last season was Sonny Dykes. So I think, I'm not sure that we get a full-fledged effort here from SMU. Even though they're taking on a Big Ten team, they're getting a crack at a Power Five team on the road, I still think a lot of their eyes are focused on that game next week. And with a dynamic Maryland offense, a team that I wanted to play on early on in the season here, I think that's a little bit dangerous of a spot for SMU. So I do like the Terps laying the two and a half. As long as they take care of the football, I think that'll be a good bet and it'll be the right side. But they have had some interception issues in the past. So, there is some risk attached to this one, but I think Maryland is the right side here and we'll see if we get a very upset SMU team next week as I anticipate.
5: How about an upset Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M Aggies? So, you got to be a little upset. They're hosting Florida. You know, they Miami of Florida, they couldn't score against Appalachian State or move the ball. This offense looks really bad. I don't know who's going to play quarterback. Maybe you do, Adam, but the line opened at five and a half and it's been sitting at six. I mean, I'm kind of surprised it's 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 less it's there. I thought it would be closer to a field goal.
6: Yeah, I actually have this game, Maryland or excuse me, Miami plus two and a half. So I, I agree with you. I kind of expected this to be closer to a field goal, maybe three and a half, especially with AM being a team that you know recruited so well, brought in the number one class in the country, had a lot of buzz coming into this season. But. I don't think Jimbo Fisher's that great of a coach. Good recruiter, not so much of a coach. Their offensive line has some issues. Their defensive line has some issues. And their quarterback situation is is a major unknown. Meanwhile, for Miami, I love Tyler Van Dyke. I think Tyler Van Dyke is really going to shoot up some draft boards uh, as we move forward here. I think him and Josh Gaddis, the new offensive coordinator, are a really, really good pairing. I wasn't surprised to see this line come down to five. I'm surprised to see it go back up to six. I do like Miami in this game plus the six. I haven't bet it yet because of how the line's dancing around, but that will be on my card by Saturday. I'm just hoping I can maybe steal six and a half or something like that.
4: Don't place a bet in week three until you go to VEASAN.com podcast and download the brand new college football podcast. Mr. Murray mm-hmm. and Mr. Burke just absolutely killing it. Adam, feel better. And thank you for joining us.
6: Absolutely. guys. Thanks, have Adam.
4: Good. Great job. Okay. A, a little pro tip. VEASAN pros. You, remember, you get 20 plus a day. Uh, always peek ahead as far as schedule and peek behind you. You're looking for situational spots, tough spot for SMU to travel to college park. However, they're going to take on their old coach there in Sonny Dykes and TCU next week. So maybe looking ahead as far as the Beeson and pro tip today, always look for the situation and Talia can sling it. Listen, he's got an offense yeah. there at Maryland. They've got weapons. No, he does. I, mean, I mean, he's, I mean, he can they, always recruit. Can he coach? Is the question? They, it,
5: yeah, and I mean they couldn't stop anybody last year. We didn't get a chance to talk about. I mean the Notre Dame faithful are are, are in tears. I mean they're in complete tears. I mean they're twelve. Oh they're gosh. they're twelve. They opened up twelve and a half against Cal, and now it went down to eleven. I mean. Not a good, not a good, not a good start. Not a good start there.
4: Maybe Marcus Freeman making too many hype videos in the offseason and not watching enough film. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. I know. Uh, I agree with you, Michael, with your text. Uh, Burke is tremendous. He's going to be on with us for the college football season. Coming up next, professional handicapper Mike Somich joins us.
3: into the Lombardi line on Vsin featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi now once again here's Patrick Maher
4: Okay Stephen and I were just talking about the pro tips become a Vsin pro to get the tips you get 20 a day plus you get the pro tools remember the pro tools includes um, the betting splits, which are super important. You get everything as far as Mackinnon's breakdowns, as far as his matchups tonight. So everything's there. Just become a Vison pro. It's only $175. It goes through the Super Bowl. Invest a little to make a lot. Go to vison.com slash subscribe. That's vison.com slash subscribe for more information. Okay, Michael Lombardi there in New Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. We bring in our buddy, professional handicapper Mike Somich, who... As far as horse handicappers, I think he's probably the best on the planet right now, but he does more than just that. And we say hi to Samich. A little contrarian play. You think two premier quarterbacks, you think high-scoring affair. However, as we say hi, you're going to go under the total tonight, Thursday Night Football with the Chargers in Kansas City, under 54
3: Yeah, I am. I mean, this is definitely not the fun bet. You sit there, you open your beer and then you root for no points between these two offenses. But in my (laughs) mind, it's the smart move. Uh, You've got a San Diego defense that's going to play a too high shell and try and force Kansas City to earn everything. You're going to see more longer play drives. That's going to eat up some clock. Neither of these teams really want to let the other quarterback come out and get the ball consistently with more and more possessions. You're going to see them try and bleed it down. You also have just the familiarity. These are two division rivals, and this is a massive game. We've seen that the AFC West is going to be a very good division already. The Raiders lose the Chargers first week. Both of these teams need this game. Kansas City lost at home in week two here. I think they're going to come out and try and slow this down a little bit. I really like the first half under 27 and the first quarter under 10 and a half, but I'm going to be under in the game total at 54 as well. I've got it closer to the 51 range.
5: You know, I I think you're right, Mike. I think they are going to have to pace the game. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if they play that cover two shell against the way they're lining up. You know, that was a Tyreek Hill special, the cover two shell. If you play that with two tight ends on the field, if Andy gets bored calling runs, I get that. I, Mm -hmm. I, I think it'll be hard to stop the run in that look but I I agree with you I think pace of this game because Herbert and Mahomes when you break down I don't know how you felt but in my power rankings I thought they were the two best quarterbacks in week one
3: They were both phenomenal. I I thought Mahomes was was excellent. Uh, He was my number one quarterback. I had Herbert at four, uh, but I thought he still played very well for the situations that he was put in. Uh, The two tight end look, I think, is going to be effective here. They were able to run the ball last year against the Chargers. I would expect them to do the same thing here. I love, look, losing Tyreek Hill is never a good thing, right? But the way that they distributed the money to the offensive line and to bring in these, these multiple tight end sets of solid possession receivers brought in, it allows them to attack a defense like this. So I think they'll have more success but that Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, edge rushing combination to me is awfully brutal. So you're going to have to see Mahomes get the ball quickly out of his hands. The so short passes, short runs, the clock will be ticking. That's all going to lead toward the under.
4: Professional handicapper Mike Samich. So he likes the under first quarter, under first half, under full game tonight. You've got a couple of Patrick <laughs> Mahomes props. I love it. you got a couple of Patrick uh, uh, Mahomes props. We're going to call well you under, Mike. Tonight. Yeah, <laughs> Under, hey. under Samich.
3: Well, let's go with a couple over props then, right? we got to change it up a little bit here. Uh, look, I, I mentioned how I expect San Diego to play Kansas City. I expect a lot of short pass from Mahomes, long drives. His overs attempts right now is at 40.5 attempts in this game. Last year, he threw the ball 44 and 47 times against this Chargers defense. I expect more of the same from that passing attack. Short passes, long drives, that leads toward the over there. And then I really like Patrick Mahomes over rush yards, 16 and a half for the game. He runs when he needs to. That's really the key with Patrick Mahomes. Last year against the Chargers in the two games, he ran for 32 and 45 yards respectively. He doesn't run every game, but when he does, he's effective doing it with the edge rushers again with Bosa and Mack coming at him. It's going to force him out of the pocket more, going to create more rushing situations. He ends up scrambling five or six times in this game. 16 and a half is just way too low from a rushing total.
5: You know, he does. And if they play man like they want to, I think what people don't understand is when a quarterback, when you're playing man-to-man against a quarterback like Mahomes, he wants to throw it, no doubt. But if it's dirty or if it's not clean, he's more than happy to take off and run. And these rushers are so used to running up the field, they forget about containment. And look, even last week, Mahomes made plays when he moved out of the pocket. He made those sensational schoolyard plays that we were used to seeing him do that. So I agree with you, Mike. How about the Sunday slate? Is there a game... There's a line that caught your eye that you felt like was undervalued.
3: I really like Dolphins plus three and a half on Sunday. I I like what I saw out of first-year coach Mike McDaniel down there, the way he was able to use Tyreek Hill, not having to use him necessarily as someone who's just going to blow the top off of defense, but to be able to use him as a possession receiver and help them move down the field. I really like the matchup defensively, though, for Miami against this Baltimore team. Look, when Devin Dubinay is your top wide receiver, You've got some issues here. I realize that that Mark Andrews is going to be the go-to wide receiver, but you've got safety group in Miami that can really cover him. I think they're going to make it very tough to score for the Baltimore Ravens, so I, I like the Dolphins plus 3.5 quite a bit this weekend.
4: What do you think about that, Michael? Baltimore lane 3.5 hosting Miami.
3: I think what
5: Mike said in the beginning, and he doesn't need me to verify him, but what their offense was last week, Miami, was an extension of what they did last year. It was yards after the catch. I mean, and that, there's nothing wrong with yards after the catch. They're playing into the strength of their quarterback, and they were able to throw an eight-yard pass and get a 41-yard touchdown. I mean, that's really the essence, and people are scared to death. And Hill's people don't understand Tyreek Hill. He's more than a deep threat. He's a unique runner with the football. I played running back at Oklahoma State. So, to me, I, I could see that. I think Baltimore's offense against the Jets was not impressive, other than the one throw Lamar made down to the end zone on Bateman. I, I thought they were very stagnant.
4: Professional handicapper Mike Somich joining us here at Lombardi Line. I, I want to get to this point because you're always taking a look at the market. You you took a look at the market from week one, and now we project to week two. You said the wide receiver, especially wide receiver one, prop totals are way too low right now. Can you expound
3: upon that? Yeah. If you look at the stats from last week, wide receiver one A's, the top wide receivers, absolutely eight. You saw up to 17 targets for Devontae Adams. Devon Diggs had nine targets. You saw all of these guys get paid this summer. And those teams then decided to focus them in their offenses. And the prop market just had not caught up to it. I mean, you saw Cooper Cup's prop was at 79 and a half yards on that first Thursday night game. They've adjusted all the way up to 94 and a half. But that's not enough. Wow. If you look at last year, he covered that 94 and a half over 15 of 17 games. If you look at a lot of the other wide receiver one prop totals, they were in the 50s and 60s. And as they started to roll out again today you're seeing those same numbers. Tyree Kill's number, 67 and a half. If he gets the same target share that he got, he will get over that number, the mass majority of the games you see him. Uh, Kirk down in Jacksonville, his his total came out at 58 and a half. He got 14 targets on Sunday. If he gets that type of target share, he will go over that total consistently. Pittman, 64 and a half right now in the market for the over. He had over over 120 yards receiving the first week, and again, got a huge target share. If you see these these wide receivers, the wide receiver ones, that got paid over the summer, continue to get these type of target shares, they're gonna keep flying over these totals, and it makes sense. Mike just talked about how Mike McDaniel used Tyree Kill in a different way in this offense. These new coordinators are all offensive-minded guys who are looking for ways to break the game open, and they're finding wide receiver ones to do that. And you can game plan for these guys, and it still doesn't make that big of a difference. If you look at last week's game with the Raiders, Devontae Adams gets 17 targets, still make, makes 10 catches and flies over his number. You're going to consistently see him get that type of ball share. And if he does, if these wide receiver ones do, and the books don't adjust by 20 to 30% quickly, you're going to be able to take a group of about 10 of these wide receivers, play them every week, and go 7 for 10. And, and Michael, I, I by think the he's way... Right. You know, it's...
5: I, I, that's why I'm, I think what Mike said is true. Like, you go into the game saying we're taking Devontae Adams out, but the coaches are too good. You know, they can they maneuver it, and they motion these receivers. It's not the old-fashioned game where X is over here and Y is over there and Z is here. Like, they're moving them around, and, and it's hard to double a guy, especially when you motion them inside behind a stack. It's hard to double that guy. Like, where, where are we getting a double? It's easy to double a guy when he lines up outside on the line, and you could double that. You could roll the coverage to him. But McDaniels and these other coaches are too smart to do that.
4: And I'm just saying, Kelsey eight for 121 in a touchdown last week in Arizona. His receiving prop over at DraftKings tonight set at 77 and a half. As a matter of fact, it was 76 and a half about 10 minutes ago. So maybe Samich has moved that up a little. With his, let's be fair about Travis Kelsey. He is wide receiver one there in Kansas City. Mike Samich, thank you very much, RacingDudes.com. We appreciate you very much. We'll talk to you next. Thank time.
5: you, Mike. Great job. Appreciate Have you. Good. Have a good one, guys.
4: Okay. There, he uh, He's a friend. He, he's a guy that just com- completely nerds out over numbers. So we're, we've I got a it. pro tip somewhere there as far as... Go ahead and throw it up there, Stephen Bond. Top wide receivers, wide receiver one, delivered in week one. The prop market has not caught up as far as the production and, as he mentioned, targets. Okay. There it is. I, I He likes the under it's, across... He's agreeing with you, by the way, tonight.
5: I think they got to play pace. But uh, to me... I think what he said is so true. It's hard to take Kelsey out of the game, even though he is wide receiver one, because he motions inside and you, you can't have a guy. You can't, you can't jam him because he's not, he's not on the line. You can't, you can't bracket him because he's going to run one side of the field or the other. And he's such a good route runner. It's hard. It looks good on a blackboard. It just doesn't look good on the field at times.
4: Yeah. Well put. Got a great stat from John Ewing over at BetMGM. MGM as far as week two dogs that didn't cover and their opener. We're going to come back with that. Also continue with Michael's takeaways from week one, as we head into an elite matchup tonight with the chargers headed to Kansas city. Again, Mike was under quarter one under the half as far as the first. And then he liked the full game under as well. 54. We continue M Lombardi, NFL social. We're at VEASAN live. We're back here. Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. MGM. You're listening to the Lombardi
3: Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
4: OK, remember, every time you make a wager at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, you can earn BetMGM reward points that you can redeem for online bonus credits. Also, if you're planning a trip to Vegas, you can convert those points into dining, hotel rooms. Hotel- I mean, it's just a great loyalty program. I always talk about it. It's like a credit card. So every time you place a bet at BetMGM on the app or BetMGM.com, you get points you to be 21 years or older and if you have a gambling problem it's 1-800-GAMBLER okay we got you back here Lombardi line as we say hi on a Thursday a great matchup an elite matchup tonight yeah. with the Chargers headed to Arrowhead in Kansas City you've been there right like it's, oh, it's yeah, interesting when you it's interesting because right over there are the Royals and then over here is Harry Truman's house and then over there is Arrowhead <laughs> it's a great it's a great it's a great, it's vibe great. because you can it, also I've you can tailgate this. there I've said it before, it's like going into the middle of
5: Moscow. It's like going the Red Square and all this red in there. There's no better feeling in the world, no better feeling in sports than winning there and listening and the sound of silence in that stadium. There's no better because they're passionate fans. That crowd is inor- It's unbelievable. You know, John Madden used to talk about that damn horse that used to run around there. Tonight, I'm sure they're going to honor Len Dawson, the great chief player passing away just a month ago so they're going to bring back some of those chief teams Patrick that were you know as I've written this book these chief players that they had Lamar Hunt when he went into the AFL and he started to go into the the the, the black colleges and the Buck Buchanans the Willie Laniers these players uh, Emmett Thomas I mean just unbelievable players that they've had and accumulated on that roster they've got such a great tradition there
4: well, tell him the story quickly, then we'll move on about what happened. We started the show talking about Mike Martz calling out Fields and calling out Lance, and then you had a great clip at VEASAN Live yesterday that went viral. But tell him about what happened with Martz and the edict as far as keeping him around.
5: Well, I mean, look, so what happened was in St. Louis, Dick Vermeil had two years as the head coach. Remember, he came out of retirement. John Shaw went out on the limb. That's when I actually wrote my uh, dissertation on what it takes to be a head coach. And he hired Vermeil, which wasn't in my dissertation. That was fine. And so two years, it didn't get any better. And so he wanted to hire a professional quarterback coach, somebody who could really run the offense. And he felt like Al Saunders and Jerry Rome, all of Dick Vermeil's clones or, or buddies weren't very good. So he said, look, you either hire Mike March or I'm going to have to fire you. And Vermeule didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. Because let's face it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't something that Vermeule was used to. He wanted to have control of his coaching staff, but he acquiesced to it. And the next thing you know, Trent Green's on the team. The next thing you know, Kurt Warner becomes the star player that he was, and the rest is history. And really, when when, when Vermeule gets into the Hall of Fame, I don't think he gets in if it's not for Mike Martz.
4: A hundred percent agree, and then he got a lot out of Bulger, who we were talking, who we've had on the show as well. Marts knows how to coach him up. He knows how to evaluate quarterbacks. That's why Michael was responding so ardently to his critique of Fields, and of course, of Trey Lance. Okay, Michael. Just because I know you love trends, I know you love stats. This is John Ewing at BetMGM since 2003. Week two dogs that didn't cover in the opener have gone 47, 35, and 1. So again, the up-down theory in the NFL, that's covering ATS-wise at a 57% clip. We do have, as you can see there with the graph, we got seven matchups this week, including one that your boy Will Hill was talking about, the Jags. They don't cover week one. They come back. They're catching four, hosting the Colts. I I watched that Colts game against Houston. Houston was the better team.
5: Yeah, but Houston couldn't close it out. They couldn't move the ball. They got one first down in the fourth quarter. And so when the game was on the line, they couldn't do anything. And that's a problem, right? And so, you know, that that's where it ended up. And I think ultimately, you know, that Indy's got to improve. I mean, but if Indy ca- – if if the, the Pierce – Alex Pierce, the kid they drafted from Cincinnati, if he catches yeah. the pass in the end zone, they're going to win the game. and Or Frank Wright takes points, you know. So I, I like the – I think Jacksonville, they didn't cover the details last week. They The quarterback got hit way too much. Uh, They didn't run the ball. They had a chance to run the ball against Washington, and they didn't. I mean, they averaged five yards a carry. James Robinson looked sensational. I thought they mismanaged the game. They don't take points, right? They miss a field goal, then they go for two. They don't get that. I I just think, to me, they let that game slip away. This is going to be a great matchup between Frank Wright and his former head coach, Doug Peterson. They know each other really well. The coordinators know each other. Now, Mike Caldwell's a new coordinator, so Frank Wright doesn't really know him, but he knows Todd Bowles. So I I think... I expect this to go back and forth a little bit in terms of points.
4: We are always watching the board, always taking a look at the market. Did you see the shift in Dallas? So, of course, it's going to be Cooper Rush under center. Cincinnati at Dallas, that was a a two-and-a-half opener. We've now gone through zero. We've gone through three. We've gone through six. And a couple shops. we've gone through seven. Cincinnati's laying seven, seven seven-and-a-half on the road at Dallas. Well, I could say this. If Cincinnati doesn't block better,
5: And they're not going to block Makai Parsons or Lawrence or any of these guys that, that, that Cowboys have. If they don't block better, Cincinnati won't win the game. It'll be really hard for Cincinnati. Cincinnati's offensive line wasn't bad last week. It was bad as it was last year. And, look, Burrow wasn't very good either. You know, he threw the ball into coverage, you know, made some mistakes. But his protection, once again, was horrendous. Was horrendous. And Pittsburgh really didn't move the ball on Cincinnati. They kind of fluffed the ball on Cincinnati, right? They made a couple plays here, a couple kind of trick plays. I thought Pittsburgh ran the Matt Canada offense, which is the tight end, first play of the game, by the way, Patrick, tight end under with Matt Canada. Mm -hmm. But they ran a college offense. And once Cincinnati got a grasp of it, it became jump ball game. So you either got to make a play down the field or you don't. Then Johnson made that incredible catch. But look, the Cincinnati should be 0-0-1 right now because if Zach Taylor paid any attention to the game – he would have let the play clock go down. What did you see from Burrow? I, I saw a guy that wasn't comfortable. I thought his first read of the game. I don't know why he threw the ball there. I mean, it was it, clearly the the think of Fitzpatrick was playing on top of it. I don't know why he made that throw. I I I, I there's no physicality to Cincinnati's offense right now, you know. And I think ultimately they got to find some balance. Mixon needs to play. They need to get him going. They need to get him going. And like a lot of teams, that Super Bowl hangover is real. We know that. And I think a lot, it became so easy for them to throw the ball for four yards, I think they lose sight of that a little bit at times. Uh, you know, but this offensive line, it's hard to run the ball behind them. They got they got beat up up front.
4: Just taking a look at the board and taking a look at the team's lane doubles. We've got two, potentially three. It does feel like a little bit of an overreaction. I just told you I thought Houston was pretty good. They couldn't close. They're a young team. But Houston's at Denver. number sitting ten right now. I mean, did you see enough from Denver where you would lay ten points with this team against anybody? There goes Hold- Michael. He, he he was no. Here he comes. You got we got you back, Michael. You there?
5: Yeah, I mean, Denver had a couple non-holding calls in the game, so I, I don't know what I don't know what you know. I think I have the line at eight point seven. It's a ten-point line altitude's going to be – you know, look, everybody's just going to automatically think Denver's just going to run, come right back and do it. Houston, you know, Houston just couldn't make a first down in the fourth quarter. I didn't think Davis Mills played very well at all either.
4: Did you think Lovey gave up on that game?
5: No, I think Lovey was trying to win it with his defense. I mean, and I think he felt like he could win it with his red zone defense and just get it. I, and, and at the end of the day, it didn't hold up. I mean – Pierce drops that ball. They let him move the ball down. I mean, Indy thought they were going to win the game when they got. Look, two things happened on Sunday that should never happen. Indianapolis was centering the ball for their kicker and they lost three yards. Right. The the, the Tennessee Titans were putting the ball on the right hash and lost three yards. Like you can't lose yards when you're trying to make a kick.
4: Let me ask you a question. So blanket ship. That's, that's gets what cut. we do
5: all day long. That's what we do all I day. Know. Long. I,
4: I I hear you, bro. But let me ask you this. Blankenship gets cut. I know he kicked a couple of kickoffs out of bounds as well. So there was more to that, but like, this is a guy that you carried through the summer onto your roster. He misses one. Like you weren't really bold. You weren't in on him. It appears going into week one. Like, should you have made a choice before week one? If you're the Colts and Blankenship, I don't think the options are there.
5: You know, I think that's the big issue. I think the question is, should you have brought competition to Indianapolis's camp in the kicking spot? Should you have turned the heat up on him a little bit? But I, kickers are very challenging, right? We've seen them bounce around, and we've also seen them just go through these slumps where, you know, the guy's a good kicker, but he just can't make it. And then your team loses confidence in him, and you've got to make a change. Like tonight, are you, are you confident that Hopkins is going to line that thing up at 47 yards, no, no time on the clock, snap, hold, kick? Is he making it?
4: I'm not confident in either of the kicking games tonight.
5: Well, yeah. That's I mean, pretty, I don't think Andy's going to kick. I don't think I don't think Andy's going to play American footy. I think he's going to play Australian football. I think he's going to kick in a different way.
4: <laughs> Nobody knows it better than you. Hey, by the way, it, it's like your obsession with the kicking is now going to become a theme. Take the points. Taking the points. Just take is going the, to become I don't know a why theme. three
5: points became a dirty word in everybody's language. I don't know. I, I don't understand what happened.
4: That is, hilarious. we could start a movement. Do you have an official play, or Are you? Where would you go tonight with four and fifty-four?
5: I would take I would take the Chargers because it's over the three and a half. I, I would take it just to get the points.
4: Okay, enjoy your day, Michael Lombardi. Oh, thank and you, Lombardi Patrick. NFL. Enjoy. And by the way, make sure to go check out at Beason Live the clip with Michael talking about March's reaction to the young quarterbacks. It is awesome. Coming up next, our buddy Dave Ross and Amal Shaw. Beason big bets. We'll see you tomorrow here on the Lombardi Line.
0: Zumo Play.